Good morning, Center Church. I'm Meredith. Hope you enjoyed the extra hour of sleep last night. I'm super thankful to be gathering with you online this morning, and I'm really anticipating what God is up to today. I want to welcome everyone gathering on our Sunday morning live platform and those gathered in watch parties as well. And hello to those watching or listening later on in the week. A very special welcome to those of you joining us for the very first time. We trust that even online you feel at home here and get a sense of who we are. In hopes of making your first visit a little bit easier, I'm going to run through some information that we share every single week. And we trust it will help you, our guests, along with everyone else, know a little bit about what to expect as we gather and how to engage if you're on the live platform. Now, this platform has many options for you. You can share your information with us, which we would love for you to do. You can update your information. There's also a tab to give, to take next steps, find previous messages, share this message. Um, And you can also request prayer right on the live platform. And one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat, which is pretty cool. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can do those things through our website. If you're out there and you have questions or you need assistance or just prayer, um, or you know someone who does, we would love to help you any way we can. Whether it's related to everything kind of going on in the world or just a difficult season in your life in general, please don't hesitate to reach out. Just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. We have resources available to go along with the message that you're about to hear, and those resources will help you grow no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey. They're crafted to remind and take you deeper throughout the week. A few that I'm going to note real quickly are the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, which are incredible. Uh, You can sign up for those on the Next Steps page of the website. We also provide wallpaper images to remind you of the weekly application question, and we have a message just for kids. They will actually be learning from the same scripture text that we're learning from, but with kid friendly content, of course. Uh, So if you have kids in your home, it's a great resource, and we would really encourage you to talk about that application question together. It's a great way to grow as a family. All the resources I mentioned and more are available on our website. Now, Tuesday is the last day to sign up for a free Christmas photo mini session. That's hard to say. If you're a guest today, you probably don't know about this, um, but what we're doing is we have incredibly gifted photographers that are providing 15-minute sessions just for you. Now, if you did receive this email, uh, you can feel free to share it with anyone that you think would be blessed by it. Um, If you need more information or if you want to sign up for this opportunity, you can go directly to the calendar page of our website. If you don't receive these types of emails and would like to, email us again at connectedcenterwaychurch.com and we'll add you to our list. You don't want to miss out on all of that great stuff. Now here's what to expect today. Alicia is going to be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Here's Alicia with the text for today. Good morning, church. I'm Alicia, and I'll be reading the scripture for today. You can follow along in Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him.
Good morning, my name is Claude, and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Uh, really excited that you have the opportunity to be with us this morning as we wrap up the series, Questions and Answer, if you can believe that. Uh, it has to do with the beginning part of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, today, specifically, we're going through chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 to conclude the series. And uh, the title this morning is Good, Questions and Answer, Good. Um, growing up, uh, I didn't have a cousin my age that lived near me. Um, he actually lived down in Florida. And I remember one time in particular, uh, they came up to stay with us through the holidays. And uh, I was super excited about it. I didn't have any brothers. So he was like, you know, close to my age. And I was really excited to have him around. And I remember almost immediately my excitement to start to wane because for the first time in my life, there was someone in my home around my age that liked what I liked, which meant he wanted to play with my toys. <laughs> and so almost immediately he starts kind of grabbing my things and I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on? And so he's starting to play with certain toys and I feel that tension that we all feel you know, inside of us when somebody's like messing with something that we care about. And I had one toy in particular that I really liked that my, my sisters were not allowed to touch and he went ahead and grabbed it and started playing with it. And I was like, well, no, actually you can't play with that. And I just took it away from him. And uh, I remember he was like really upset about it and he went out and told his mom and all of a sudden his mom is talking to my mom and I'm like, I don't understand the problem here. And my mom comes in and she goes, let him play with that. I was like, but it's mine. She's like, yeah, I know, but let your cousin play with that. I was like, I don't want to let him play with it. Like, it's mine. She's like, no, you need to share. I was like, yeah, but I, I don't understand. If this is mine, then I shouldn't have to to share it. And she's like, no, but it's, it's not, it's not nice. Like you should want to share with your cousin. He wants to play with it. Let him play with it. And, uh, so I was like, I don't want to. And there was this tension inside of me. I was so upset because it was mine and she was admitting that it was mine. So why would I have to surrender something that's mine to someone else? Like this ridiculous word called sharing, like no, this is the greatest offense that a child can confront at a certain stage in their life. And I mean, I was in my 20s and I'm kidding. <laughs> so I was very young and I just, I didn't understand. I mean, I understood sharing, but I didn't understand where all of a sudden when sharing comes into this place of like something you care about, something that is yours, where you're entitled and right to say, this is mine. I don't want to share it. And so she's telling me it's the right thing to do. You need to share. And I was like, okay, okay, fine. And so he came in and, and so I apologized because my mother told me to. And he started playing with my toy and I was furious. I just sat there. I remember it. Like even now as I'm talking to you, I have like this irrational kind of anger resonant. I had no anger towards him or malice towards him. It was just this anger like, this is not okay. Like, I don't want him to play with that. And she, I remember standing behind him being like, thank you for sharing. And I'm thinking, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to share. And it's funny because you look years ahead, you know, and now all of a sudden I have my own children and I'm teaching them sharing and I'm realizing like, Early on, you know, some 10 years ago, as we're navigating this idea of sharing with our kids, I'm like, wait a second. I can, I can 
teach my kids to do what it is that is technically right, but it's not coming from a place of goodness in them. Like they're not happy about sharing. They're obligated to share. I remember the pain of that. I feel that sometimes even as an adult, like when you're doing something that's right, but inside you're still angry about it. Like, is that actually right? Or are you kind of corrupt inside? It's amazing how we can do the right thing sometimes and then completely just miss it. Miss the point. What my mom wanted was for me to to have an awareness of how much I, I love my cousin and an outflow of that love would be to take one of my cherished prized possessions and to joyfully hand it over to him and be like, here, play with what matters most to me and to then to be excited about the joy we share together. Yeah, I missed it. I completely missed it. And I know that that's what she wanted because I look at my kids and I want that for them. But how do you impose goodness onto a heart, Right? The question I want us to ask as we move through the text this morning is this, why do we miss it sometimes? Why do we miss it sometimes? I want to submit to you that sometimes we miss it because we're sometimes more focused on being right than we are on being good. We're right. That's mine. I have a right to it. I have a right not to share it. Think about that for a second. We focus on being right rather than being good. We can be right about something. We can proclaim to be Christ followers and completely miss the heart of God. Like this should be an outflow of love, an outflow of compassion. And yet we go through the motions of doing the right things, checking the right box. But is it coming from a place of compassion? It seems impossible, doesn't it? To, to, profess being a Christ follower and yet entirely miss the heart of God? I know, I realize that there are different types of people listening at different points in their spiritual journey, that we have people that are committed Christ followers that proclaim Jesus as their Savior, and we have people that are skeptics and maybe people that are even uh, questioning whether or not there is a God. And so I understand that we're in different places spiritually, but as humans, as humans, sometimes we do wrong, right? Like nobody's arguing that. As humans, sometimes we do wrong. But sometimes as humans, we do right with the wrong heart motivation. And that's wrong. Isn't that annoying that like we can do right and because the heart motivation is wrong, in essence, it's wrong. One could conclude that regardless of our best attempts, We're just destined to always be wrong. And if you feel that tension this morning, I want to let you know, one, you're not alone. And two, you're missing it. You're missing it. Here's the good news. We're not alone that we as humans all miss it sometimes. We all miss it sometimes. So I guess misery loves company. (laughs) That's not a really good place to land, is it? This is why. The reason why we sometimes miss it is because sometimes we focus on what we think is right, like I said, instead of focusing on what is good. We focus on what's right instead of what's good. And this morning's text is about people focusing on right instead of good, and they miss it. They miss it. Verses 1 through 2 
in Mark chapter 3 says this, Again he, meaning Jesus, entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. We don't have a lot of clarity on what withered hand means, except it is some form of, uh, of crippling that doesn't allow him to use his hand fully. And this would be very obvious. In uh, synagogue, when you were praying in their culture, you'd raise your hands. And so it would be an obvious deformity that this man struggled with, and it could be a constant point of pain and distraction for him in synagogue. Moving on to verse 2. It says, And they meaning the Pharisees, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him, this man with the withered hand, on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. So we have this man that is in the synagogue, and as Jesus enters, he sees this man with a withered hand, and the Pharisees are looking at Jesus to see if he heals this man so that they can accuse him. Like, I mean, after all, how dare he heal someone on the Sabbath? Let's get a little context and uh, then an observation. So context. Rabbis in this time had actually debated whether or not medical attention could be provided on the Sabbath. It was like a point of conversation. And it was generally agreed that it was okay if and only if life was threatened life was threatened. That would be the only way that even medical attention could be provided on the Sabbath. And the only agreed upon exceptions, okay, so if it's, if it's life or death, medical intervention, with two exceptions. One exception was a birth of a child. <laughs> what a relief, right? <laughs> could you imagine? You imagine the first woman going into labor and they're like, what do we do? Like, is she allowed to give birth on the Sabbath? And they're like, we hadn't thought of that. <laughs> What a messed up system. So the birth of a child, and then secondly, circumcision, if it was on the right day, because that was considered a sacred act. So you think about that and you're like, okay, like that's their religious system. That's what they determined and defined Sabbath to be. It's a day of rest. And we talked about Sabbath before. And so you can tell already that they've misappropriated, misappropriated that. So here they are on Sabbath. If you think about it for a second, <laughs> what if you like tripped? Because you know you're not supposed to walk a certain distance. So on Sabbath, there was a distance you could walk. There were certain things you couldn't do. And I'm wondering at times if people obeyed that for the simple fact that they didn't want to get injured. Because if they got injured, no one could provide them medical attention. Imagine breaking your leg. Like you get up to just walk across your hut <laughs> and as you're walking across, you trip. Like you're not even doing any work. You're not walking far. You trip and your leg snaps. We're going to have to wait till tomorrow to set that leg. <laughs> but it hurts so bad. Oh, well, it's like more than our mind can process. And yet those were the rules. They were the rules. So a man with a withered hand doesn't meet the requirements for medical attention or in this case, a healing on the Sabbath. He couldn't be healed on the Sabbath. It would be a violation to the rules. And so, verse 2, it says they watched. They watched. This is actually, in the original Greek, it's in the imperfect tense. And what that means, imperfect tense, what that means is that they were always watching. That they were always watching. They were always watching Jesus so they could accuse him. That's what it's saying. So, so the Pharisees are always and continually watching Jesus for when he does something wrong so they can point their finger. So here's an observation now that we understand some context. 
People with a legalistic mindset are always watching and critical of others. People with a legalistic mindset are always watching and critical of others. Their priority is right over good. The rules. Follow the rules. In fact, you can even be right and completely miss it. That's what we're talking about. And when I say they, I mean we. (laughs) We can be right and completely miss it. You see, we like catching people doing wrong. Maybe you don't want to admit that, but that's the reality of humanity. We like when other people do something wrong, if it doesn't affect us, I should clarify. If we can catch someone else doing wrong, we like it because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And maybe if you're a person looking for wrong in this world, maybe there's a little bit of a legalism that's wrapped up inside your heart. Something to consider. Here's the irony. First, they were trying so hard to catch him doing a healing on the wrong day (laughs) that the fact that he was performing miracles was totally lost on them. They're missing it. Like, they're so concerned about what's right. You're breaking our additions to the law. This idea of the Sabbath that we have perverted into something else by putting parameters and all these fences on it. Like this, this is the agreed upon rule of the day. And you're violating the rules. We're right. And they were. They were right. But Jesus was good. And they were missing it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine someone doing something that that is bringing health and life and vibrance to people that are broken and instead of being in awe of that, being caught up in the fact that he's doing it on the wrong day? Secondly, they're trying to trap Jesus and they're actually planning a malicious act. In verse 6, we actually see where it says immediately they went out and began conspiring with the Herodians. So, immediately means the same day. So on the Sabbath, on the day you were supposed to rest and do good, they're conspiring to kill him. Hmm. Their actions are a clear violation of the Sabbath. Isn't it interesting how we can kind of justify our own actions in the name of right? But this is right. This is important. This matters to me. And so let's go ahead and take action. Listen, if we aren't careful, we will fight the wrong battles. <laughs> Think about that. That's so sobering. It's sobering because we all get caught up. On it and, and I just want to challenge you to consider the battles that maybe you feel like you're fighting right now. Are, are you fighting the right battles If we're not careful, we'll fight the wrong battles thinking our intentions are right. I want to say that one more time. If we're not careful, we'll fight the wrong battles thinking our intentions are right. Verse 3. Verses 3 through 4. It says, And he said to the man with the withered hand. This is Jesus speaking. I love this. Come here. (laughs) Gosh, that's amazing. Like, all this 
tension, all this context that we have now. And the, the, the Pharisees are sitting there being like, he is, he's doing wrong. Like he's breaking the law. And he's like, you know what? No one has said anything to him at this point. He just knowing their thoughts stands up. Come here. <laughs> I love it. And he said to them, he speaks to the Pharisees now, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. Listen, I already think Jesus is the man, obviously. But like, I love the way Mark is just laying this out. He's sitting in the synagogue. There's a man with a withered hand. And so in order to speak directly to the Pharisees, it means one more time, he is knowing their thoughts. And they seem completely oblivious to that reality, or at least unmoved by it. And he says, come here to this man with the withered hand. And he asks them, is it okay to do good or harm? And right there, he's laying out to them the tension of what's in their heart and mind, right versus good. But then he goes on and he says, is it okay to to bring life or to kill? And he's actually pointing forward to the fact that he knows they're going to begin to conspire to kill him. He's challenging them with the condition of their heart. It's almost like he's saying, listen, also, I know you want to kill me. Is it okay that you're going to plan my death today? (laughs) And they just sit silent. No answer. In that society, in that culture, there were um, arguments that would take place, intellectual engagements. And when a person was left silent, it would mean they lost that engagement. The Pharisees have no response. And so everyone watching had to realize Jesus has just won this oral battle. They don't understand the complications. What's actually happening here is actually pretty interesting. The, the moment that's, that's at play in the sense of this. This is the only place in scripture where Jesus initiates a healing. He initiates a healing. Jesus wasn't asked to heal this man. He wasn't approached by anyone requesting. The man did not ask him to heal him. In fact, no one has faith that he commends in the midst of this healing. Listen, that reality, the reality that Jesus initiates a healing sometimes will mess with your theology unless you can grasp the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God. His ways are higher than ours. He heals because he's the healer. He extends mercy and grace because he is the source of mercy and grace. And yet we want to put limitations and parameters. What the Pharisees are saying is, you heal when we say you heal. Oops, wait a second. Maybe we're a little bit more like the Pharisees than we want to admit. Like Jesus Now's the time. Now's when you do what I say. God, like, I understand that you have all these things that you're processing in a perspective that I don't, and you're big and I'm small and all the right answers, but here's the deal. I want what I want when I want it. Do my miracle when I say I want you to perform. There's a lot of things taking place right here. While Jesus is about to do good, They're plotting to kill him, 
there's no good in them. They're right, but they lack goodness. These religious leaders are so caught up in the law and what Jesus does or doesn't have the right to do that they're totally off mission. They miss it. We can get so consumed with what it is that we want from God and the timing in which we want it that we can totally miss it. So how about you? How about you as as you listen to this or as you watch? I'm speaking just for a moment to, to professing Christ followers. Just for a moment. We're living in a world where it's easy to lose sight of mission. How about you? Are you losing sight of mission, Jesus follower? Are we gospel-centered influencers in every sphere of life, or have we aligned with a lesser gospel, a lesser news that we proclaim? Are we discipling people to our perspective on life instead of of a Jesus that we love and serve? Are we trying to convert people to, to our political party? I mean, that's running rampant as people, you know, are in the midst of this this political season. Are are we leaning in and and saying, listen, this is about my perspective more so than any type of goodness or compassion. I'm right. I'm entitled to this. Whatever the this is, you name it. We think we're right sometimes. We think we're right. Sometimes we are. And yet we miss it. We miss it. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Whatever it is that that you're pursuing and you're trying to get to the, the bottom of or justify or search out, Jesus is the source. He is the answer. He's the answer. Verse 5 says this, And he looked around at them, Jesus, and Jesus looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. If you're steeped in legalism, if you're leaning into the rules and being right, if that's your your priority, if you have Jesus on a do what I want when I want it, the scripture is saying that it, that it literally reveals a hardness of heart. And Jesus has a, real, a, a, a spiritual anger. He has a, a righteous anger towards the misrepresentation of God. Because these Pharisees are to represent God on earth. And so he looks around at the corrupt nature of of what they've perverted Christianity into being, or what we know Christianity to be. Obviously, it wasn't called Christianity then. Following God, they've corrupted what it looks like to be someone that follows God. And he does good on the Sabbath. He heals this man. And he would pay for it with his life. So, here's the temptation. And maybe you've already been feeling it. The temptation is this. Okay, I get it. It's not about being right. It's about being good. I'll be good. I'll be a good person. The answer is, I'm going to work out my salvation by being good. 
we aren't good. Like, our heart is corrupt. That we can never be good enough. At our best attempts, we do what we know is right with the tension of anger in our hearts. As I look at my cousin playing with this thing, I, I did what was right. I was commended for being right. Like, you're doing a good job. Thank you for sharing. And I'm like, I'm furious inside. I wonder how many of us have perverted what Christianity is, what it is to be a Christ follower, to the idea that we do what's right, even though it hurts, even though we're angry, instead of realizing that it should be an outflow of a transformed life. You see, because left to our own vices, we can never be good enough. We're sinners. We're sinners. And so if we can't do right with the right intention, and sometimes we do wrong, and we can't be good, are we doomed? Are we doomed? Is that it? Left to ourselves, the answer would be yes. But verse 6. Verse 6 says, The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him, Jesus how to destroy him, Jesus. And therein lies the answer to our doomed reality that Jesus would lay down his life. Make no mistake, Jesus was not murdered, okay? He wasn't a victim that just did good and paid the price of his goodness, no. He was good and he continued to do good. In fact, he continued to do good and remained on mission to the point that he laid down his life. He laid down his life for you, for me, and for the Pharisees that conspired against him. Because he is good. Because, because he is good. He is the answer. Because of that reality, because of the person and work of Jesus, we can be transformed. You see, we aren't doomed. We aren't doomed because of our best efforts or because we pretend or we kind of conjure up goodness or that we just decide this is the right thing to do and so we're going to do the right thing and we're going to do it with a good attitude. <laughs> Boom, I doubled it up. I'm really good. <laughs> no, listen, good isn't the answer. Goodness isn't the answer. Jesus is the answer, and goodness is the outflow of a life lived in proximity to him. You see, if we just attempt goodness, if we just work outright, if we just try Christianity in the legalistic way, then it's really exhausting, and it's really broken, and it leads to nothing except our exhaustion and our devastation. If you say being a Christian is too hard, you've missed it. It's about a relationship. It's about being in proximity to the answer, to Jesus himself. And that as he transforms our heart and mind, that goodness begins to flow out of a transformed life. Jesus died so that we may live. Are you missing it? Are you missing the freedom of a transformed life? He laid down his life and he paid the price for your sins and mine. He rose from the dead having victory over death. And then he extends that grace and mercy towards us so that we could live lives that are transformed by the truth of that gospel, the only gospel that matters. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ, that as we get in proximity to him, he would transform our hearts and minds, that goodness would flow out, that compassion would flow out. Are you pursuing and fighting for lesser things? Because you're going to be exhausted. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And this week, I want to challenge you with this question. The question is this, what will I repent of this week? What will I repent of this week? This, This week should cause us to be pretty reflective, thinking about the motivations of our heart. Think about how it is we have the expectation to God, uh, for God to perform on our timeline and according to our will. And so I want to challenge you, what will I repent of this week? Maybe for you this morning, what it is that you need to repent of, it's your sin. That you need to enter into a relationship with God for the very first time. And if that's you this morning, I want to just challenge you, whether you're listening to this live or in the future, wherever you might be finding yourself at this moment, I want to encourage you. It's not complicated. It's as simple as praying a prayer that goes something like this, acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner and that Jesus died the death that you deserve. Ask him to forgive your sins, to come and be the Lord and leader of your life. If you prayed that prayer and you are with us live, I want to encourage you to to click request prayer tab and that will put you in a private chat with one of our hosts that can just talk to you about the next steps. If you're listening or watching to this later, you can go to our next steps page or even email us directly and we can walk alongside you in the decision you made. Don't allow this to be a religious response or an emotional response. For others of you that have crossed that line of salvation, for you... Repentance looks like being willing to dig to the, to the heart motivation. And I've said this before at Centerway, the way you get to that heart motivation is just to continue to ask the why question. Why is it that I do that? Oh, I do that because of this. But why? <laughs> oh, I do that because of that. Oh, but why? Why questions can be very offensive when other people ask them. But when we ask them of ourselves, it can be very revealing. Get to the root and then replace that lie with truth. That's speaking the gospel to yourself. That when you get to the why, that that maybe the root piece is, it's because I feel like I need to perform so that others love me, let's just say. It's in that moment that you can say, that's a lie. That, That God loves me even if I don't perform for him. And so God, would you help me realize and understand that you love me just as I am and allow his love and forgiveness to transform your heart. So maybe repentance looks like going through that why process. Because repenting doesn't just mean saying, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. That's easy. Repenting means getting to the root. Pursue fluency of the gospel so that we can speak it to ourselves. Maybe you're in the practice of doing that. Maybe you're a Christ father that has crossed that line of faith and you're regularly in the rhythm of speaking the truth of the gospel to yourself, getting to the root of things and repenting. That's not the end of your journey. If you're fluent in the gospel, then it's time to begin speaking the gospel to others. So in what way do you repent this week for being off mission? Saying, God, I've gotten caught up in in the worries of this world and the concerns of this or that. I I pray you'd forgive me and help me to, to live on mission as you lived on mission. I want to challenge you to consider 
what will I repent of this week, regardless of what your spiritual journey looks like? Because we're never done growing. There's always an application of the text to our lives. Let's close in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning just with open hearts and minds. God, we want... We want you to mess with us. We want you to reorient our heart, Father. We we want to lean in and to become the children that you have called us to be, your children, that we would truly be transformed in proximity to you, that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. We simply declare ourselves available and we repent for the places of our life that we've put other things ahead of you do a work in and through us this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I mentioned, this series has now come to an end. Uh, It's been great. Uh, Want to encourage you to tune in next week as we begin a brand new series called Disrupted. Uh, It's going to be great. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you then. Hi, I'm Tara. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'd like to take a minute after the message to encourage you to respond to the text you just heard and allow it to truly transform you. As you consider what you will repent of this week, remember that repentance isn't a simple apology. It's turning away from sin and turning to Jesus. There are many ways we can worship this week, and one of those ways we get to worship together is through song if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our questions and answer playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.